The story of God begins like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But when it comes to creation, how do we fit in? Well, we are, as the saying goes, just a tiny speck. How small are we? Well, let's start with our great planet Earth. If you were to travel around the Earth in a cruise ship, it would take you about 108 days. In 1933, Wiley Post was the first pilot to fly solo around the world, and it took him seven days and 18 hours and 49 minutes. Today, if you could get your hands on a Mach 1 and had any idea how to fly it, it would take you about 10 hours to fly around the world. That's our planet. But how big is Earth in comparison with the universe? Well, if the sun was as tall as a typical front door, Earth would be the size of a nickel. And our sun is just one star of at least a hundred billion stars in the Milky Way. Now just consider for a moment that while Earth's equator has the diameter of 7,926 miles, the Milky Way's diameter is 621 quadrillion miles. That's a lot of zeros. And so we talked about traveling around the Earth, but what would it take to travel across the Milky Way? Well, think about it like this. American spacecrafts are headed outside of our solar system to what scientists call interstellar space. Voyager 1 is the furthest out, and it's more than 11 billion miles from our sun. It was the first man-made object to leave our solar system. Voyager 2 is speeding along more than 39,000 miles per hour but it'll take more than 296,000 years to pass Sirius, which is the next brightest star in our night sky. This is just a little taste of the vastness and the greatness of our earth and the heavens around us that God created. The scripture says, he builds his lofty palace in the heavens and sets its foundation on the earth. He calls for the waters of the sea to pour over the face of the land. The Lord is his name. Amos chapter 9, verse 6. And in Psalms 33, verse 6, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host, by the breath of his mouth. This is who God is. And the same God who created the heavens and the earth created you. Every one of us were born into this world. And we all came the same way. Not with strength, but fragile and small and weak. We couldn't crawl, let alone stand up to walk and run. My first child, Mackenzie, was born. We couldn't believe that the hospital would even let us take her home with us. <laughs> Courtney and I sat in the car outside the hospital looking at each other thinking, what in the world has happened? We have this seven-pound seven baby in our back seat there, and they're letting us take her home with us. We had absolutely no idea what we were doing, and every sneeze, 
And every little sound made us rush to her little bassinet to see what was going on. And we obviously didn't know what was going on. So we'd take that book, what to expect the first year, flip through the pages to try to figure out what we were supposed to do. I'll never forget the first time she had the hiccups. And we looked at each other and it's like, I mean, we freaked out. Because what are you supposed to do? Do you just let her hiccup or are we supposed to stop this? And then if we're supposed to stop it, how do you stop hiccups with a baby? We have had absolutely no idea what we were doing. She was so small and so fragile. Did you know that babies are born with 300 bones, which is almost 50% more than we as adults have? Their bones are softer, more pliable than our bones, and several of their bones actually overlap on themselves to help in the birth process to get the baby to squeeze out. See, God made us like an Amazon package, as small and compact as possible. This is just one of the many incredible ways that God made us. A newborn baby startles at just about anything, not because it's louder or softer, but just because it's new. A newborn can hear as well as any of us adults, and a baby can recognize his mother's voice from just one syllable. Even as a baby, we're able to feel things. Messages from our brains travel along nerves up to 200 miles per hour. Our bodies can detect taste in 0.0015 seconds, which is faster than the blink of an eye. When we sneeze, it can travel about 100 miles per hour. Isn't that weird? And for an adult, just taking one step takes up to 200 muscles. As adults, we spend about 33% of our lives asleep. A python spends about 75% of its life sleeping. A dog spends 44% of its life sleeping. And a cat? <laughs> well, cat spends 99% of its life sleeping. Okay, I made that one up, but I still think it's true. Now, if you would, would you take a deep breath right there? Just take a deep breath. Do you feel that? You take about 23,040 breaths a day, or about 672,768,000 breaths in a lifetime. In the years after birth, you grow into a child and then into an adolescent. We grow, and our hearts and our minds start attaching themselves to dreams. We have these things that we feel like we're created to do. A group of students were polled as to what their top dreams might be. Here are the top 10. Dancer, actor, musician, teacher, scientist, <laughs> athlete, firefighter, detective, astronaut, and writer. See, as kids, we believe that anything is possible. And then we study and we go to school and we work hard. This year, 3.6 million students are expected to graduate from high school, including my youngest son. And somewhere along the way, we hope that we are loved and that we learn how to love others. Did you know that when two people look into each other's eyes that their heart rates actually sync up together. Isn't that amazing? Did you know that cuddling triggers the same neurological reaction as taking painkillers? 
That's pretty incredible, right? And believe it or not, statistically speaking, men are quicker than women to say, I love you in a relationship. I have no idea how that's true, but that's what the stats say. See, we live in this amazing universe, and we were created by God with incredible human beings with dreams. But I bet if I were to ask you to raise your hand and to describe your life, most of you probably wouldn't use words such as amazing or incredible. I bet for some of you, what would come out of you are more negative and raw words, words if you were really to share what it is that you feel about this world. So where do things go off track? According to Forbes, nearly three decades ago, 61.1% of workers said they liked their jobs. That number has fallen over the last several decades and to an all-time low just a few years ago where only 42.6% of workers said that they were even satisfied with their jobs. But if we're happy in our jobs, then what makes us happy? Well, the number one cause of happiness is not our salaries, it's not our job descriptions, it's not the equipment and the gadgets that some of us get to work with. The number one cause of happiness at work, according to Forbes, is the people we get to work with. That's why outside of careers, love is the number one thing that each of us look for and long for. About two million people say, I do, and get married every single year. But there's one divorce approximately every 36 seconds. That's nearly 2,400 divorces a day. 16,800 divorces a week and 876,000 divorces a year. And we don't just reject each other in marriage. We hurt each other in all sorts of ways. And we relive and re-experience social pain more vividly than we ever do physical pain. I mean, think about the time that you hurt your knee in seventh grade, and maybe a twinge of memory will come up. But think about that mean thing that your parent or your teacher or your coach said to you in seventh grade, and all of a sudden, those feelings come screaming up to the surface in full color and Dolby surround sound. These hurts define us. And the sad part is, hurt people hurt people. Abuse. Lies cheating, shame, that mistake that you so desperately wish that you could take back. This is what the Bible describes as sin. It's a word, a deed, or a desire in opposition to the eternal law of God. Now, all of this goes back to the beginning. Because God created not just the heavens and the earth, but he created a man and he created a woman. And he named the man Adam, which means ruddy or created from the earth. And he named the woman Eve, which means living or lively. They lived in a garden. And in the middle of the garden, there was a tree. And God gave them this fatherly warning. You can eat from any of the trees here in this garden, they're all good for you to eat. 
but do not eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Please do not for any reason eat from this one. It will hurt you. But Adam and Eve, they wanted to control their own destiny. They wanted to become like God. And by their own knowledge of good and evil, they wanted to pursue life on their own terms. And so they resisted God's plan and his purposes. And their choice separated them from God. Sin is separation from God. Separation from this amazing creator who we've been talking about here today. That's what sin is. So imagine the worst parts of yourself running rampant and unchecked, destroying yourself and everyone around you. This is what sin does. And we all have sinned. Humankind was in this wilderness for a long time. We were in an exile, and we were powerless to make things right. And so something had to change. Humankind needed hope. We needed a savior. We needed an all-knowing, all-powerful being to reach down and to rescue every single one who'd ever been alive and everyone who would ever live. But what we got, <laughs> what we got was a baby, a small, fragile infant who needed it to be burped and swaddled and cuddled so that he wouldn't get cold. A baby born in a barn or maybe even something more like a cave in a little town called Bethlehem that nearly no one on earth had ever heard of. God's rescue plan had begun. But if humanity had been paying attention, we wouldn't have noticed that God had been putting this plan together ever since Adam and Eve took of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because this unassuming, incredibly fragile and, and small baby was not just any ordinary baby. His mother was a human woman named Mary. And his father wasn't Joseph, but God himself. And so this made the baby fully human able to laugh and to cry and to feel pain. But he was also fully God with the power of the universe at his little tiny fingertips all the way down to his squishy baby toes. This made him the most unique being we had or ever would encounter. His name was Yeshua, later to be Latinized as Jesus. And he lived among us. He learned carpentry. We didn't learn much about his life until he was 30 years old. And it was then that he began to live his life out loud. He performed miracles. <laughs> and I got to be honest with you here today. There were some pretty strange ones that he did. He spit in the dirt. And with that mud, he pushed it onto the eyes of a blind man so the blind man could see. An entire town was ready to stone a woman to death, but Jesus saved her by bending down and reaching into the sand and drawing something and then saying, he who is without sin cast the first stone. A man who was paralyzed was lowered down through the roof into this room, and Jesus looked at him and said, pick up your mat and walk. He even took five loaves and two fish, and he prayed over them. And it multiplied to the point that fed over 5,000 people. Jesus also told stories. 
He told the story of the man who was beaten and left on the side of the road for dead. And then Jesus explained how the good Samaritan stopped and bandaged up his wounds and paid for his medical care. Jesus also told a story of a prodigal son who ran as far as he could to get away from his father, sinned until there was nothing left, squandered his inheritance and family fortune. But yet, amazingly, his father welcomed him back home with arms wide open. Jesus shared these stories to show us how much God loves us and then in turn how we then are to love others. And so people by the thousands and by the tens of thousands began to follow him. But the religious leaders, hmm, the religious leaders of that day, they didn't understand Jesus' message. They couldn't receive him as the promised Messiah. They couldn't receive him as the son of God. That's blasphemy, they told the people. He's a phony. He's a liar. He's a charlatan. He has to be stopped. And just like Adam and Eve, they wanted to control the power. They wanted to control their own destiny to become like God. And by their own knowledge of good and evil, they wanted to pursue life on their own terms. They resisted God's plan and purpose, and they separated themselves from God. And so they convinced one of Jesus' closest friends to betray him. Jesus was dragged away in the middle of the night under false accusation. And soon even his closest disciples denied that he, that he was ever a part of their life. The trial was a mockery, and Jesus was sentenced to death. But for what? For healing the sick? For healing the lame? For raising the dead to life? For turning water into wine? For feeding the masses? For showing us the love of God? See, that same enemy who had caused Adam and Eve to sin was up to his old tricks one more time, intent on destroying God's rescue plan for you and for me. The people who just days earlier had been chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the king, were now screaming, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. He was forced to carry a cross through his hometown. He had to walk past the men and the women and the children, the people who'd watched him feed the 5,000, the people who'd watched him heal the sick, the people who'd watched him raise the dead to life. And they were now all asking, was this all just a lie? They took him to a hill called Golgotha and hung him on an old wooden cross. You would have thought that Jesus would have been angry. You would have thought that Jesus would have been crying down vengeance from heaven for this injustice. But that's not what he did because he knew why he was here. That separation from God that had taken place back in the garden was finally coming to an end. At that moment, the doors of his heart was opened wide and he was telling us, let me take that sin from you. Give that burden to me. Let me carry it. I'm big enough. I'm wide enough. I'm not a judge you should fear. I'm the father who longs for every one of his last children. I'm the friend who will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm the light piercing into your darkness. I'm the hope your shame cannot extinguish. I'm the gift without cost. 
At that moment, Jesus became the open door to sorrow, shame, guilt, despair, horror. He took it all on himself. Abuse, lies, cheating, shame. That mistake that you so desperately wish that you could take back. And it was then, when it was over, they simply proclaimed, it is finished. His followers must have thought, why did he even come? If he knew he was going to die, then what was this all about? See, they didn't know what we now understand. On Friday, all was lost. But Sunday was coming. Because on Sunday, God would do the impossible. When Mary Magdalene came to pay her respects at the tomb, her face tear-stained, her outlook hopeless. She found that Jesus was not there, but there was an angel. And the angel told her, you're looking in the wrong place, Mary. Jesus is not here amongst the dead and the buried. He's alive. He is risen. Yeah. See, folks, the message of Jesus is about restoration. It's about making dead things new. Those dreams that you had as a child, no matter what your journey has been, you can believe and know that you know that you know that God has a purpose for your life. Those hurts that you've suffered, those disappointments that you've endured, God wants to heal them and to set you free. Those mistakes that you've made, those failures that you've experienced, they don't have to define you forever. Today, we're here to remember that the God who created the heavens, the God who created the earth, the God who created the Milky Way, the God who created the stars, the God who created this amazing universe that we get to live in, this is the same God who created you. The person who will breathe over 23,000 breaths before this day is over, he created you. And this God, who created all of this, is no longer separate and distant. You can now talk to God at any moment. He's right here with you right now. Jesus restored and made all things new. You know what? That includes you. He paid the price for every sin, so you don't have to. He conquered death and fear and suffering. And when you confess, with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life, a miracle happens. Because now you can take any sin, any sickness, any stress, any struggle, and lay it at his feet. Cancer, a bad day at work, an affair, shame, loneliness, depression. It can all be left at the foot of the cross. The resurrection. It's a picture of what is possible for our lives. If someone else's mistake or foolishness has harmed you, 
If you've made a decision that you wish you could take back, there's hope for you. If you've been controlled by sin, if you've been controlled by addiction that has ruined your life, if you've been controlled by anxiety that's been crushing your soul, Jesus wants to set you free. The Bible says, therefore, as anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. That's what God wants for you and for me. So open your eyes. Look around. There are pictures and metaphors of this new creation all around you. It's the amazing process of seed that dies and is transformed into the beauty of a springtime flower. It's the sunrise that lights and washes over the hills and valleys every morning to make all things new. It's the butterfly emerging from a cocoon in the miraculous metamorphosis of new life. And so I want to invite you. I want to invite you to respond to this amazing God of the universe. The God who knows every hair on your head and every moment of your life. He's here today right now to do something new in you and me on this Resurrection Sunday. So I want to ask you just to close your eyes if you would, because I don't you think about anybody else in this room or anything else that's going on here, because you may be feeling darkness and emptiness, just like Jesus did on the cross. You may be walking even through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm here to tell you, you aren't without hope. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything. It changed everything for you and it changed everything for me. And so if you confess that Jesus is Lord, if you open up your life to him, you are a new creation. That new creation begins to form inside of you. Jesus is risen so that you may have new life. And so Father, I pray all across this room that God the power of the resurrection would begin to flood and fill every man and every every young person here in this room. That today would not just be another day of celebrating Easter, but Father, here today that we would experience and know and see the power of the resurrection flowing within every single one of us. And so Father, I pray your life Father, I pray that that would work itself inside of us, that hope would work itself inside of us. God, purpose, the purpose that you have for us would begin to stir inside of every single one of us. God, I thank you. I thank you for this day that we can celebrate new beginnings, that we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, that we can now know you, that we can have a relationship with you. Thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, folks, God is already doing some things in your heart and in my life, right? Because he's here. He's, his presence is here with you right now and right here. And so as we end here today, if, if you've received a deadly diagnosis, if you've been dealing with fear and anxiety, if you've been wrestling with sin that you feel like you just can't overcome, if you're making a decision to follow Jesus for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, and I want to encourage you, 
as we take a moment to sing this last song together, to let his peace and his forgiveness and his power of the, of the resurrection life to flow through you, to wash over you. So if you would, come on, let's all stand together and let's sing this last song together. Come on, let's do this together.